Okay, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the NML Pickleball Podcast. I am Chris Ross, and I'm here with Jeremy Comazetto. Jer, how's it going? Oh, pretty good, Chris. Living the dream, living the dream. As always. Uh, so we have a lot to talk about today. There's some big topics that have come out through through the weekend. Uh, there's we haven't we didn't do a podcast last week. Uh, I don't know if we'll get into everything, but we'll see what we get to today. Uh, we've got to start the episode though by shouting out our our couple of sponsors here. Uh, we'll start with uh, Drop Shot District Clothing. Drop Shot Jerry, he's got the mug there. They've got shirts. They've got funny shirts. They've got cool just cool logos, cool designs. Uh, you can go to their website dropshotdistrict.com. And you can use the code NML10TEN, so all caps NMLTEN for, for a little discount uh, at checkout. Uh, they've got a bunch of cool stuff, so, so go ahead and check them out. Uh, and Jerry, you want to talk about our other sponsor? Our other sponsor is uh, One Shot Pickleball. Um, they've been our longtime, actually, uh, pickleball paddle sponsor. We both are playing with their paddles and have for a long time and we're big fans of the paddles and Chris has one of their shirts on and actually I do as well. But um, yeah, one shot, uh, they're a Pacific Northwest company. They've got some pretty good paddles. What is the name of the, it's the infinity shot. It's the infinity shot. You should probably know that information. Uh, you know, I'm not a paddle guy, but the infinity shot, we've been playing with it. We both are really liking it. It's got good pop while still having pretty good control. If only it had got us a gold this weekend, maybe. But can't blend that on the paddle, I think. Well, I just got to make sure I give I, – I, I've got to ask. It's a family-run company, really good people. Uh, the code is ROSS, R-O-S-S, 10, 1, 0, ROSS, 10. I've got to get an NML code for, for this, but that will give you 10% off at, at checkout as well but that that's probably what all the people want to hear about for starting isn't it they want to hear about how the skagit valley harvest pickleball tournament was in mount vernon washington i presume i don't think so i think we can move on but we can give a shout out to jimmy hagan and jake matson for bringing home gold you, you know what i did like i kind of wanted to bring up was just the ridiculous separation of the age brackets that occurred and how people are asking people in their 30s are asking for an age bracket separation so that they can win a medal and take a podium pick yes that's pathetic but i do think we need to move on I, one of my <laughs> least favorite things with pickleball podcasts is when people spend the first half hour talking about their own stuff so yeah okay i kind of like it not half an hour but i kind of like it when people talk about some some things that aren't pickleball or ex pro pickleball <laughs> okay Fair. well so there, there's a lot of stuff that's happened though and and just so everyone knows i i'm closer to my mic today jer's not in person we're still figuring out the audio stuff hopefully it is better today we heard the the talk from the the last podcast, and we're working on things. So so please bear with us. We really appreciate the feedback and the patience from everyone just in in, in listening and, and sticking with us because uh, we're just trying to figure this out. Uh, so minor setback for a major comeback with the last podcast. That I think that's exactly what it is. So 
we, uh, you know, there was a lot that went on this weekend, but I think we're got to start with the paddle stuff and Jillian Braverman posted on Instagram. We're taping this Tuesday evening. She posted on Monday. Uh, she had a post about paddles and testing. And then she had a podcast that was released today titled the biggest cheaters in pickleball. We're bringing up paddles again. It seems like this is a bit of a never ending topic, but what's happened this weekend is that Jill Braverman, uh, she was playing with Tyra black and she lost to Irina Tereschenko and Jade Kawamoto. Irina and Jade proceeded to play Leah Jansen and Anna bright who also lost to Irina and Jade. And both Jill Braverman, Tyra, as well as Leah and Anna challenged uh, Irina's paddle. The paddle passed the PPA's on-site testing on both occasions, but there's there's other stuff beyond that. The anecdotal information that Jillian's providing is that Irina's paddle was super hot and it was playing really fast. Um, and, And so, you know, we're here again talking about paddles. Irina's playing with this, her allegedly her old PaddleTech TS5 uh, model that's been around forever. What what information I'm missing? I'm not exactly sure what to take this here, Jer. Well, I think an important part of the information that you haven't covered is that a number of paddles were pulled from MLP, correct? Right. So so Jillian posted on her Instagram and said on her podcast that 24 ML at MLP Atlanta, 24 paddles failed and were taken on a player weren't allowed to be played with. Now we've confirmed since that's come out that 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 24 number is just paddles that didn't pass the deflection testing that MLP does, which is different than what the PPA has on site. PPA is doing this ultrasound testing that I think it, it measures whatever the core, uh, like the core compression. And that, that I think tests for delamination, but the deflection, the average deflection force, they, they have a number and they use whatever the average deflection force standard that they've created shows how, how, how I think deep it's going into the paddle. Now I'm getting into a little bit of waters that I'm not quite as certain about, but there were 24 of those paddles that failed in, in Atlanta compared to nine that failed in the previous event in San Clemente and, and nothing is failing at the PPA. And that's the problem that, that Jillian has with it. And I think what she's inferring is that Irina's paddle was taken, was failed at MLP, which we have confirmed Irina and Annalise Waters paddles failed at MLP and they're playing with them and others as well are playing with it at these PPA events. Well, and I think there you hit on the heart of the issue is like, I'm honestly tired of talking about the paddle stuff, but it remains extremely relevant because it's a real problem that players continue to have a huge edge by playing with illegal paddles and that these organizations still haven't come up with a proper open and transparent system to test these paddles. And I think you got to the heart of the issue. It's still kind of funny to me. And apparently Irina's paddle, a few people have told us was extra hot this weekend, it sounds like. But 
it's funny to me that people are only testing Irina's battle because we've heard from multiple people that um, both Annalise and Irina's paddles failed at uh, MLP, but nobody seems to be challenging Annalise paddle. And to me, that's just because they have a feeling that nothing's going to be done about that paddle. Um, but yeah, I think it's the players' frustrations. They are quite sure, and they at this point have some evidence if those paddles indeed get did get pulled out of MLP. Did we get told here that MLP is going to release whose paddles failed or not? No. So it sounds like MLP, which now it sounds like they're going to release the data on, but they're on the paddle testing results from. Atlanta, but they're going to anonymize the paddle manufacturers and the players who failed. Why are we anonymizing that? Like, it's like, you know, in, say, the Olympics, any doping thing, we find out who was doping. We're, we're not, to me, that makes it all the shadier that we're protecting paddle companies and players. Well, I, th this is this is the problem. I mean, this is the problem that Jillian Braverman, I don't know if you listened to her podcast. I listened to this because we were doing this podcast. And I just don't understand. Well, I do understand. I understand why they're not not releasing the names. But it's it's if you don't release the names, you have no pressure on these manufacturers or players not to not to try and push the envelope and, and beat whatever testing's happening. Why you say you understand why they don't release the names? I actually don't. I, I think I understand. I think it's because they they feel like that they need to keep these people and the manufacturers happy. Don't why? you think that's no. it? Why? Well, okay. Well, I'll say the players, the, 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 the organizations are now they're like paying them significant amounts of money. Well, okay, so previously, at least before pre-merger, the reason why they need to do that for the players is because they don't want, you know, they don't want to be releasing that Annalise Paddle Tech Paddle failed MLP testing because that pisses off Annalie. And then that would then in turn lead to potential negative connotations with MLP. And then, you know, which side is, is she picking? Now, Atlanta was post-merger, but they are still figuring out these things post-merger. You know, are we 100% sure that they are going to merge as an entity? Uh, yeah, I don't know if we, they're, they're doing their best and it looks like they're working towards that, but nothing is finalized yet. Do we so, know that nothing is finalized? Not that nothing has been said publicly that it's been finalized yet. I thought that there was a new, like, corp and that it was. Well, they say, I, I, I do they do they have all this sorted out? There's lots of details that they need to sort out still. Or are they, do they have this all in place? I, sounds like you're speculating a fair amount on that. You know I like to speculate a little bit. Yeah, just I'm not quite sure. I, okay. I think well, it's odd that the two entities seem to still be operating as separate entities. Well, and that's, I mean, if you want to speculate more, we had that, you know, you have this tennis channel stuff that came out last week about the PPA is making, like working with tennis channel for their own pickleball 24 seven channel. That doesn't make any sense when you've got two supposedly merged entities and one is announcing that they've got a TV deal in place to, to create a, a 24 seven pickleball channel. Shouldn't, 
shouldn't that be a joint a joint venture yeah no i'm not disagreeing it's odd i just think like to speculate that the merger isn't happening is a bit much. I'm not saying that it's not happening, but I'm saying that there's a possibility that it doesn't happen. And if that possibility were to come to fruition, you don't want these people pissed off at you potentially. Is that, that's, that's a possibility, isn't it? I suppose. I, I'm going back to what we were talking about, which is, why these organizations won't release the names of players or companies of the failed paddle testing. I just like, it's a professional sport, release it. You want to be a professional sport, release it. It's I, not. I don't, I don't disagree. I think for the manufacturer side, they want to keep them happy because they, they need their money. They need their sponsorship money. They need them to invest in their, in their companies. We've seen the PPA, who have they gone in hard on? They, they, they've gone in hard on Carbon, uh, Gamma, and ProXR, people who don't pay big sponsorship money to the PPA. The PPA has not gone in on companies like Selkirk, Yola, uh, Paddletech, people who do pay sponsorship money, big sponsorship money, or presumably do, to the PPA. I'm not sure if, that the PPA, other than they don't want to upset Ben, would be that afraid to go after Yola, but... I think Yola's more MLP centered, but that that's true. But that yeah, okay. So it's but that's again, it's upsetting the players or the manufacturers. And MLP does also need like the or whatever this joint venture is going to need. They're going to need money from these people. So are they? That's that's my thought. Is that they're afraid uh, that people aren't going to invest in them. I mean, they might not have a choice if they're together and they're merged, which maybe they can figure this out and have some consistency as a merged entity and they deal with things, you know, the same way because that's the big problem right now is that we've got two two entities that are dealing with cattle testing in completely different and and inconsistent ways. Like MLP, absolutely they should be releasing the results. It should be a no-brainer. We got a professional sport and if you want some transparency, you need to release the results and then not be anonymous. I agree, but I think this is why. Yeah, I think it's just at the point where there needs to be something close to a level playing field. And I think a lot of the frustration stems around the fact that there's obvious illegal paddles and i think the other issue is that companies are actually now realizing and because they have to because if i'm a player and i don't have something pushing the limits why am i going to stay with my current paddle sponsor um and i think that's probably a big reason as was pointed out to us that the number of failed paddles went way up is all the companies are now figuring out ways to beat the system or they think they can beat the system. So they're really pushing the limits with these new paddles. Um, and then there's the issue of, I think when we've been, some of the paddles we've been talking about, we know there's an engineer in Arizona who's doctoring paddles for players and it's been happening for a few years now. And it's still happening that some of the biggest names in pickleball are playing with paddles that aren't even the ones you get from the manufacturer. 
Well, well, this is, I mean, what's happening with the MLP testing is they're testing and they have a certain standard. As long as you fall within that standard, you can play with that paddle. But what it has been is that you you play and you you follow the USAPA approved list of paddles. And if you're not on that list, you don't get to play with it. But no one's checking to make sure that a paddle that's being used is a USAPA approved paddle. And so you've got people. Well, beyond use- like it can also basically if it has the sticker, it's considered USAPA approved. And how do I, as a referee, know that this isn't an actual USAPA approved paddle? No, but I I, I agree. I, I imagine though that there's some way to look for that. And again, this is stuff I don't know about, but I imagine there's some way to look and compare a paddle to to ensure that it is in within the, you know, that it is an actual USAPA approved paddle. You take Ben Johns's Yola, you take Annalie Waters paddle tag, you just take the paddle and you look at it and and you I don't know, you look at the core, you look at whatever and see whether it is the same. There, there must be an ability to do that as well, right? Yeah, I suppose. I do think that the better approach long term is to have standards and just worry about the paddles being within those stand standards like then trying to enforce that it's the exact same USAPA approved paddle because one of the things we do know is that these paddles are mass manufactured and there are variances in that manufacturing. Yeah and and I agree with that. Uh, The the other thing I want to make clear is from our perspective people who aren't playing pro pickleball haven't seen these probably haven't seen modified or hot paddles delaminated to a certain extent but to me it's again it's about 11 playing field it's not about uh i think jillian on the podcast was very much that this is a safety issue i think she used the the phrasing fiduciary duty to like protect the players i i i don't think i mean with people not wearing eyewear sure there's a possibility of of that that happening i think that's a possibility at any time though but I, i don't think it's really a safety issue i think it's more it's we we need to make sure that there sure. is a I, I left you like scratched and bruised with the headshot last week. No safety <laughs> issues. That, that's true. I'm still rec- can you see it? No, it's gone. It's gone. Producer Alyssa was very concerned about how much you would hurt my forehead with with a ball to the face. And so. you just hit the ball so hard that it feels like it's a delaminated paddle. I am known for my overhead, just <laughs> overpowering. <laughs> But it's it, this is like it's about a level playing field. It's not about safety, and it's making sure that everyone is playing within whatever standards that are set. And it's taking too long, in my view, to get that done. And, and ways to get that done is by publicizing who is not actually meeting the standards that have been set by by whoever is setting those standards. And, and that's that's what's not happening right now, and and it needs to change. Uh, I mean, how many times do, do we have to say it? I, I hope the merge like means that that there will be more consistency, but but that's that's the problem that I see. Yeah, and I don't know how long we want to dwell on this paddle thing, but I do think it might make a difference. To like, it does. It is an edge. I don't think it's maybe a complete coincidence that when we look at maybe most disappointing team of the first MLP was Utah and it has two of the players that are at the center of this controversy. Yeah. I mean, we, we can never know that for sure. Right. We can know that their paddles failed at MLP and then they had to use different paddles. 
and whatever that may be. And then they're using different battles at PPA, but we don't, we don't know a hundred percent that they are, but probably are, but yeah, it's, uh, doesn't seem like a coincidence that that's happening. It makes a difference. Paddles make a difference, especially if you're using stuff that is falling well outside the standards. Cause what we heard is that the paddles that failed for Irina and Anna Lee at MLP were, were well outside the, the ADF, uh, number, the, the 50 number, I think that, that is, that was set by MLP in the pickle pro labs PPL. So, uh, who knows? Did I, you I don't hear know any what... other paddles this weekend that sounded a little different? Uh, well, the one that always sounds a little bit different is the, the new Onyx paddle. Is that, is that what you're talking about? I was just wondering if you'd oh. heard any paddles that sounded different. Oh, like outside of, uh, Irina's and Annalise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that Onyx one always sounds funky. Like Lucy, I think Lucy's playing with the 10 millimeter and, and Matt still plays with that as well. And Callie might play with the 16 millimeter version of it, but I'm not a hundred percent certain on that, but it's very weird how, how hot that halt that Onyx sounds just as hollow as any, anything that you hear out there. So it's, I, I thought they had solved that cause they came out very hollow when they released them. But I, I tried to, I asked someone who knows paddles about the Onyx, but they, they, they don't have, they didn't have that to, to compare to what is like, it normally sounds like out of the wrapper. So, yeah. And I think one thing to make clear about the MLP failed testing is that there's like most of the paddles that failed apparently for deflection, it wasn't a delamination issue. So those are either out of the wrapper, like how they're manufactured or, or whatever the modification version of it is. They don't know if they're modified though, probably. But I think that's also important to make clear that we're, this isn't a delamination issue. And that's why it's not going to be caught by the PPA's on-site testing because that's only delamination that that covers. So I think that's, that's probably, do you have anything more to say on that? I, I don't think I have much more there. No, honestly, it's like tiring to talk about, but it remains unfortunately very relevant. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think undoubtedly, uh, well, we had, we also had two tournaments this weekend. We had PPA Vegas, uh, championships and APP Dallas open. And there's a lot of pickleball that happened. I don't know how much it, it, it was a bit of a struggle to come away with takeaways for us, which we just posted a couple hours here before recording this, but we had triple crowns from Ben and Anna Lee, Megan, uh, Megan Fudge, Susanna Barr win, Andre Dayskew, Rob Nunnery win. You know what? You know where? Where do you want to start for for actual results? You know the men's final was a little interesting. John's brothers again figure out a way. Dylan and J Dub got up two games. John's win three straight. It in women's. Annalie, Catherine continue to cruise pretty much. Well, let's go back to the men's doubles. Like, do you, do you think that that that's the closest, like the, sure JW and Dylan beat Ben and Colin when Colin was, was had that Achilles injury. I don't think that really counts. It, do, do you take any stock into this being some uh, indication that JW and Dylan are getting closer? 
Honestly, I'll be curious to see how it goes next time out. I the thing that the Johns usually have that they're usually as kind of a step ahead. So RJW and Dylan gonna be able to make further adjustments for next time and then also be ready to maybe make yet other, another adjustment to the John's adjustments. Um, that's kind of like my major question. We've seen often Ben and Colin will get pushed, then they kind of jump ahead and it actually takes the competition longer to catch up. So I'll be curious. I think JW and Dylan overall have been closing the gap on them, but I'm not ready to say that we're about to just see this turn into an actual like real rivalry. Yeah, that's the, that's the the scary thing about the Johns. They, it took them actually a little while to figure out Matt and Riley and their uber aggressive style that they brought forward to them. It took them a number of months really to figure. Well, out. I think some actual like skill development actually had to really take place to completely solve that. They figured out a couple things short term to try to hide it, but that ultra aggressive attacking style that was basically we're just going to go at Colin and Ben's backhand relentlessly. The, I think the Johns figured out some things to counter that, but there was actual skill work that took time, not just in-game adjustments to kind of get that gap again. Yeah, I think I think you're right there. And JW and Dylan still both have there's still skill development that can take place. There's still lots of room to grow. I think for both of them, especially JW. So you know that it, it just these things are going to take time if it's going to happen at all. Yeah, and I think that that probably the J-Dub Dylan skill development is the most probably important part of whether it's going to actually happen. There's things they can do probably from a like strategy perspective, but J-Dub just figuring out what more ways to initiate and Dylan probably figuring out how to dink more aggressively, I think, consistently. So could JW. I think actually it might, you know, we I've spent a lot of time talking about JW figuring out how to initiate. And I do think when he probably has the best hands in pickleball, when you look at speed and power, like obviously figuring out more ways to initiate is going to be to his benefit. Like there's that one hands rally this weekend, all of the players, it was insane, but you just watch JW's hands and he's basically from an equal position, just crushing balls with that forehand. But I think if JW and Dylan could figure out ways to dink more aggressively and really that's neutralize some of the Jonathan's advantages there, it would really change what that matchup looked like. Yeah, yeah, no question. I don't I don't have much to add there. I think I agree with with everything you say, which is great pickleball content for everyone. Uh, did you see the bad line calls, by the way, in the in the JW in the gold medal men's doubles? Yes. What did you think about that? <laughs> well, one so that so there was the one that was called, I think it was at game point in game four for the Johns brothers where game four. Yeah. I'm pretty and sure. They, cha they challenged a ball that 
or who challenged? I think Jada. I, I've anyway. There was a ball that was like clearly out. Both uh, both commentators, uh, Michelle McCann and Dave Fleming, were like, "Oh yeah, that ball's out." And then they came back and reviewed it, and it was in. So for the Johns, won the point, got the got the game, and then next next game, there's a basically the same review where the ball looks out for, uh, but uh, the ball, and they end up calling the ball out, probably rightfully so, but it was for JW and Dylan. Am I, do I have that right? I think so, but. I, I don't know what's happening there. I mean, are they giving the Johns brothers favors? I, I don't I don't know. Like, it seems fishy. It seems weird, but. Well, and this is the whole problem. And, like, it goes back to, like, a few weeks ago, the whole, like, Ben and Anna Lee get a deflated pickleball called in their favor, which I would still like a referee to actually explain to me. I don't know. I honestly didn't see if somebody put out an explanation, but like how you can call a pickleball as being deflated, but yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, the, another that's, but what are we, you know, video review is one thing. I think the deflated call, that's a star call benefit that these things happen in sports, which I am a hundred percent against, but it's like LeBron getting his ticky tacky foul calls or James Harden, the stars get their calls, but the video review is another thing when I don't know how you can be that incompetent when it's that far, like that clear on whatever video angle you have to miss that. And it looks really bad when it goes in favor of your marquee team versus JW and Dylan, especially when they're on the ropes a bit. Yeah. And we can take it back to like the paddle testing thing and everything else. When there's a lack of transparency with other things, it creates at least the, the perception that there could be issues with things such as video review. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, you know, sometimes with stars, people are just scared of making calls against the, the stars too. And they don't want that backlash from the stars. So, so they just, they, you know, they, they may give uh, give a little bit more margin that way, but it was it, it was really bad regardless. It wasn't a good look. Uh, so yeah, I don't think women's doubles. You had all the, I mean, Callie and Lucy making a final is probably impressive. And if you go back to actually the paddle stuff, you know, uh, Irina and Jade lost to Callie and Lucy. You know, of course, every match is is going to be different. But Callie and Lucy, regardless of how hot Irina's paddle was, they were able to to win for whatever reason. So, you know, whether you're just not letting that fact that the paddle's playing hot get into your head or whether you're handling it better, uh, that's that's something that is at least commendable to to a certain degree. So that that has to be, I think, noted at least. In the women's, why do Anna why has Hannah Bright struggled so much this year outside of that? Anna Lee uh, partnership in women's. I I don't really have an explanation. Did you watch the the match between uh, Irina and Jade and Leah and Anna? I didn't match it. I haven't had a it, chance to catch up. I, I I did watch it back uh, because you know and, and Anna. I don't think either player like Leah or Anna played that well in that match. But Anna was like it was it really wasn't it wasn't good at all. Like she was, I, I don't know what's going on. She was missing a lot of easy balls. I think Jimmy Miller said on the podcast that at one point 
uh, she had asked for Jim Kloss to be removed from the stands because he was talking, I think, Thomas and Julian. So I don't know if there's other stuff going on like that's that that's distracting her or she's got other things on her mind that's not related to that at all. But when you look at the whole body of work for women's doubles, you know, she, she goes out and wins MLP and plays fantastic pickleball. But now we're here at another PPA, another disappointing result where she is the primary culprit in that partnership for just like kind of an absolute dusting by Irina and, and Jade. Hot paddle or not, she played really poorly. Yeah, I, I I just wonder if Anna's, you know, she played like, she's played close to half the tournaments with Anna Lee, but then the other half she's bounced around a lot. And I kind of wonder if not having a partner to really, you know, grow with has hurt her a bit. And I kind of think that Leia's a bit in the same boat. You know, we saw Leia have a great start to the year with Elise Jones. And then I think Leia's also really struggled to find a fit in the second half of the year. And I think it shows partners and partnerships matter. And I think we're seeing more and more that most of your top partnerships are playing together regularly. I think it's hard to go out there at this point when you've got people doing it full time and getting a lot of reps in together and have success with a new partnership right away. Yeah, and that's that's maybe your explanation right there is that Leia and Anna, this is their first time. Well, they played a money ball together at Beer City Open, but outside of that, they haven't played an actual women's doubles pro tournament together and maybe it is you know at a certain point you've got to at least lock in that that six month period or three or six months or something like that to make sure that you actually have some some continuity between between your partners because you know you look actually at James and Tyson I think are a pretty good example of a team that you know they actually may have cut bait a little bit early before they got a chance to figure out what works best for them. And once they figured out what works best with James on the right and Tyson on the left, they're a, a, they're a podium machine together. And so it's not, uh, it's not always going to be straightforward and that you figure it out and you want to be good right away. You think you should be good right away that you can slot in and, and just put it together on the court. It's, it's actually not that easy for teams. No, that I think I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, I, I wrote about this in, in the takeaways today, but, uh, which you can go check out at our blog, nmlpickleball.com. Uh, Christian Alshon, I thought looked awesome in mixed on the, on Friday. Yeah, I think he's always been a, a talented player. Um, and we've seen flashes of that in singles for a while now, but, He's really starting to show it in mix. And I actually think he's kind of started to find a groove at times in men on the right side, but he's really showing kind of high-end potential in the mixed doubles. Um, I'll let you kind of break down his game a bit there, but I think we're starting to kind of see some light bulbs click for him in the game. Well, I think the things with guys like Christian is that they're super athletic. They cover a bunch of court. They can do a lot of stuff with their forehand, but it's like, can they figure out the other pickleball stuff? You know, it's not 
you know, a guarantee that you're going to figure out all of the pickleball stuff. And, you know, his, you know, his tweener King stuff just kills me. I, I can't take it. Like it is, it is so dumb, I think, but that stuff aside, like he actually, I think works very hard at his game. I think he's trying to figure things out. It appears despite the fact that like he loves his like tweener highlights and does his weird vlogs and is just kind of a weird guy in general. But he's actually he's working on figuring out stuff, and I think he's he's figuring stuff out, and it's showing on the court. I thought the two biggest things uh, that that he showed one was his counters. His counters he doesn't counter that well with that one-handed punch, and he's not doing that much of it, at least in that Jesse Riley match, which of course is just one match where you know he played outstanding. But he's he's doing some scorpion stuff. He's doing a bunch of weird stuff with the scorpion and covering a lot of ground that way. And then he's sliding on the two hand to to counter that way. Or he's resetting more when it gets into his body instead of trying to punch it. So he's stuck in a lot of hand battles with with Riley and 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 looked really good. The defense of of course is really good. And then the the other thing that a lot of guys just you just don't sometimes get is the consistency. He he was just dropping everything in the kitchen pretty much. I think he might have missed one and he put like one high, but everything almost was an automatic, like perfect drop into the kitchen. He's not giving a bunch of free points away when they get up there. And if you're not missing, you're countering well and you can cover a bunch of court and, and take balls onto the air and, and make things happen. Like that's that's like the ultimate male mix player pretty much. Yeah, no, it, it it was impressive, and obviously, Ty, I think he was the star, but Tyrick is also on a fast ascent here, and they've been getting some results together as a mixed pair lately. Ty, Ty, I told this to you on the weekend, but Tyra does the most probably like annoying thing for opponents, which is where she just like half drives the ball when, when they're in trouble and she just keeps half driving it back and getting balls up until they find a ball that she can either drive better or or can drop something in the kitchen and actually move up through transition it's got to be like the most annoying thing i think for opponents to deal with well and that's something i think we were talking about when you're looking at that partnership is that is just a very tough partnership to finish balls on yeah you've got and uh christian well do two players who cover the court like about as well as anyone with their respective genders i would say yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I I was just I, I didn't expect to be that impressed by Christian's game and he was super impressive. Obviously Tyra is just always impressive these days it seems like, but uh I thought Christian was like he was surprisingly impressive when I just watched that Riley Jesse match and and they they pulled it out after Riley and Jesse made adjustments to have Jesse on the left and they were putting Jesse on the right. Couldn't figure out what to do because nothing was really working uh, against Christian and Tyra. For sure. So they, and they ended up losing 11, nine or 12, 10, 11, nine, I think to Thomas and Vivian in the uh, bronze medal match, which is still like, that's a strong result. They got smoked by James and Anna in the semifinal, but they beat a couple other good teams Megan and Julian, and I think Callie and Jay earlier in the day, which is, that's a strong day, I think, overall. Uh, Other stuff, I mean, women's singles was pretty, pretty uh, on 
brand. Speaking of women singles, why isn't Tyra playing any women singles these days? She had that Anna Lee result and then has just fallen off the map. Like it's withdrawing from all these tournaments. Players are lazy. They're soft. They're getting all too much money now, Jer. <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I actually don't know why. why. Why is it? Why do you think it is? I actually don't know. I, I, I'm just curious. It actually just doesn't make sense why she isn't playing any singles. I was just curious. I don't know if she would be the player when I'm talking about lazy that I would name. So I'm kind of surprised that was your take, but. It's it's a joking it's a mostly joking take with Tyra particularly. I actually think what it may come down to I think there's a lot of like there's more single stigma nowadays and that like singles isn't fun maybe for these tennis players as well grinding a singles day you come like Tyra I think came to it sounds like she came to hate tennis and you come to these events and then you've got to grind a singles day out which is just like feels like tennis again maybe that's just no fun for you and you're like i'm playing this pro sport i want to have fun i am not going to play singles because it's really just not enjoyable for me and pickleball like the doubles is what i love about it you know is is that all it is you did say pro sport though at some point like yeah i guess but like you're getting paid i would want to grow my brand I, I mean, that's that's a different question is like from a business perspective, it probably doesn't make sense if you're going to be winning these. You look, you, you know, if you're going to be winning these tournaments and, and and getting medals, it's really good to grow your brand. And just because you have a six figure contract, guaranteed travel and all of that stuff, you know, you, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow or in, in a year or in two years. Uh, Tyson has massively grown his brand because he's kept himself relevant in singles like that's really where he's made his bones and that's where people know him uh you know i i i don't quite understand why people don't do it but that's as close as i can come up with is it's just not fun for them well i also don't understand some players like seem to lean towards and prefer the mlp format and if I'm a player that prefers the MLP format, I would still want to play some singles because obviously those dream breakers are an extremely important part of the MLP format. And I would want to be getting those high level game reps. So like, if that's kind of your reason, then I don't see why, like it's actually something that I've never quite understood with like, when was the last time we saw James Ignanovich in a singles draw? I don't know if it was that long ago. I can't I can't remember off the top of my head though. I think it's been a while since he actually played one. Well, are you saying you think it's so so we're gonna Well, I'm just what I'm saying is I think James is one of those players that says he prefers the MLP format. Um, which is fine, but I would wanna be making my sure that I'm still the best singles player I can be for that format. Yeah. And I think we're like, it's, it looks like it's going to be a joint model with, you're going to have tour style events and you're going to have MLP team style events. So are you, do you think, let's say for Tyra or, or other players and like, or James, is it bad for their development that they're not grinding some of these singles draws, at least, you know, one of every three or four tournaments even 
I think if I care about my MLP performance and want to be good in that format, I think it is a big problem if I'm not playing any singles. I think you should be playing close to half the singles events at this point. What's the balance between protecting your body and being able to make sure you get some reps in singles? Ben's going to the championship Sunday basically every time, and his body seems to be holding up pretty well. I think it's a pretty poor excuse if you're somebody that's probably going to go one and one or two and one on a day that with there now being no back draw, I think that's a cop out to talk about your body. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think people don't like going out. They, they don't want to lose. Like, I think, like, some guys, like, they just... Yeah, but like, is that not a problem? These guys, people have to understand they're professional athletes now. Like, get over it. Like, you, like you're afraid of losing? Like, that's brutal. I mean, I'm just speculating on how some of these people might feel about things. But, you know, you we saw Al- Anik Lohani lose or, or go all the way to Championship Sunday. You know, he's beaten some some people that are quite well known and you know, and, and that's happening more regularly. Are, are people like I'm established? I don't want to be losing to the Anik Lohannies of the world. There's too many good players coming in. It's just, I don't need to keep up with this. I'm going to make sure my doubles game is good. Yeah. I just think it's actually like kind of sad if people are not playing because they're afraid of losing. Like, I, I, I just don't understand. These people should be concerned about making themselves the best player they can be. That's my thought. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll agree with that. I think, is there anything you want to touch on, Vegas or uh, Dallas, beyond that? No, I think we see, like, obviously there's been a couple switches on the... I guess we can, like, PPA was extremely chalk on the gold. Obviously, you just brought him up, but Lohani was probably the biggest kind of underdog story in the PPA. I guess it's somewhat notable that it looks like Hunter and Paris on the APP have kind of flipped the script on Andre and Susanna. They've won a couple now. Yeah, I I got to be honest. I didn't I didn't watch this weekend, but they are now winning tight matches as opposed to they were losing matches and they weren't that close not that long ago. So that's a good sign for Paris and Hunter that they're figuring things out as they they really should be. You know, two people who haven't been playing in the sport should have a ton of room for growth, ton of talent. Uh, they they should be figuring it out, and may, maybe they are. It's hard to say with Paris and Simone. Simone appears to be injured. So Simone withdrew after losing on the main, like the winner side of both mixed and women's. So it's hard to say what Paris, you know, I don't think her losing with Simone means much on that side of things, but it's a good sign for her that she's actually, she's winning some matches and not just figuring out what to do at uh, the Aloe studio. Paris taught another person that seems to have just quit singles. Um, despite, I think you could argue that that was definitely Paris's best event. So again, I don't understand it. But um, I think the only other notable thing is actually somebody who hasn't quit singles, uh, Megan Fudge, continues to improve. Um, we've we've written about it now twice in a row on the blog. So. 
That's your you quote, Megan Fudge. If you want to read more, go to nmlpickleball.com. But I actually thought what was most notable this weekend was actually her bronze with Caden Seward, somebody we don't see on podiums. And I think that's been by far her worst event. So to see her now kind of carrying a Caden Seward to the bronze, I think that does speak to she's starting to figure out that event as well. Yeah, well, and we don't really see Caden getting big wins anywhere. I think he had one. Did he have one run with Lee Whitwell, maybe? maybe I think that that's right a while ago. I'd forgotten about that. But otherwise, we don't even see big wins happening. I don't think he gets great, great partners. But he, he's sort of around these draws, but never really in the mix for podiums. And, you know, Megan Fudge, you, you talk about it all the time just with us, that she is such a competitor and she's grinding. And there's something to be said for that. And these people who... There, especially on the APP, you got a certain level of compete, you're going to be able to make some stuff happen. Like that, that, that matters, having that level of compete and, and just drive and determination, all that uh, lunch pail bucket type attitude. For sure. I, I think it's kind of interesting to note that she's always had that compete, but there seems to be some real skill development over the last couple months, actually, that has propelled these better results. That's the Dane Gingrich school of uh, school of hard knocks, I think. I, I actually remember think when Dane, Dane ghosted us. Actually, he did ghost us that one time. That's, he said he was uh, gonna watch some film, give us some advice, and then we never heard from him again. <laughs> that wasn't cool of Dane. <laughs> no, I, uh, I don't forget. No, you don't. You don't forget. But I actually think uh, sometimes he has stuff. That makes sense. But I think he he might have been the right person for Megan. Uh, someone who can actually force her to start being more aggressive and, and doing more with balls and not just getting the ball in play and just slicing everything. For sure. Okay, well, I think that's probably enough on the tour stuff. But uh, there was MLP news that's happened over the past couple of weeks. What do you want to start with? You want to start with the shift in venue or you want to start with shuffle draft results? I, I think I, I want to start with the venue, but also the they changed the shuffle draft rules, right? So with it basically you could thump, you could do two, but then some teams were able to change three players. Well, I think what it was, the so last season they did it so you could only change one, uh, you could only like swap out one player per shuffle draft. And so they changed it this time around where you could do two. But I think if you needed like a substitute, so Brooke Buckner's pregnant and she's, I think she's like close to either eight months or close to eight months pregnant in Atlanta. So they, so the Mad Drops needed to substitute her out as well. So I, they allowed that as, to, to count as not a swap though, like an actual transaction, which I believe last year they counted Corinne Carr's pregnancy as a swap, not just like you could make an additional substitution. So the Mad Drops were able to drop Olivia McMillan for Allison Harris, substitute Sierra Gate and Leach for Brooke Buckner, and then drop Jordan Kinney for Andrea Silstrom for basically an entirely new team around Gabe Tardio. Yeah, here's my kind of problem is first, like, is it I know there's been a lot going on with like the merger and stuff, but sometimes you actually have to start acting like you actually want to be a professional sport. Like, 
I have enjoyed the MLP format and I would like to get invested in it, but how do I get invested in a fan? Like, to be frank, you and I were planning to actually attend the next MLP and we're about to actually book our flights and accommodations when luckily we got notice that it was probably going to be changing venue. But if we weren't people that were highly connect not highly connected but didn't have some oh that's a high high opinion of us jer i but if we didn't have some connections we wouldn't have known that and you know what i probably actually somewhat would just roll with a trip to california and make the most of it you would sir would be livid if that had happened after we booked the trip yeah, I would have been really pissed off. I mean, you know, you have like people and I, I was surprised they're actually so did, like they moved the venue a month before or less than a month before the event from uh, San or no Thousand Oaks, California to Dallas, which is a totally different part of the country. I was surprised there wasn't more outcry from people in comments saying like I had booked this, I had gotten tickets and well, now – but doesn't that just tell you that there aren't actually still that many people traveling to these events and going as fans? Maybe. Then how are they getting so many? Like in Atlanta, they do have fans at the venue, especially on the pre when the premiere days started. How are they getting fans there? At Are they just giving away tickets? Like how do they get fans in the stands because they don't have amateur events going on? And maybe that is what it means, but, you know. Well, I think there are still local fans and – we do know that they are at times buffing in like university frats and stuff, I think. So that probably helps. But I mean, I think it is, it's, it's a huge problem for investment because if I'm, if I'm not doing all this blog stuff and I was just a hardcore pickleball fanatic, which is what we were before we started the blog is I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's go hit up an event. That looks really fun. I'm going to go and, and I want to see what it's like. And so if you do that, and I'm sure there are some people that did that, you're really going to turn some people off. And even if people weren't planning on going, how is anyone planning anything going forward? Like, I, I don't think. Well, we're hearing in the December event, maybe Dallas, maybe Vegas, who knows? It was supposed to be in California. Um, and But like MOP seems to think it's okay to just keep hitting reset. Like we were supposed to have a premiere and a challenger level going into next year. Then they were like joking, everybody's going to be premier, which we've already discussed how that's going to water down the product. Then we're just changing rules because now we don't have challengers, so we'll basically let teams do what they want in these shuffle drafts. Like they it's hard to, for me to start taking it seriously and invest in it when they seem to think that they can just change the rules every couple months and what basically the goal is. Like, I thought it was gimmicky heading into this year, to, honestly, to have two seasons where everybody flipped. I might have been in the minority, but, like, where else do you see that? Yeah, I mean, part the, to play devil's advocate, part of it is growing pains. There's stuff that is happening that is somewhat out of their control, and the landscape is changing fairly frequently, and they've had to adjust to those changes. They had the 
the merger that didn't go through, but last year, which caused them that, you know, they added new teams. And so they had, they created this, they wanted to do promotion relegation. So they add this premier challenger distinction. And then this year, again, you change things with the merger. And now it sounds like they've got potentially some, some money issues that they've got to sort out. You know, they're cutting back budget for the future events for the rest of the year. But uh, you know, devil's advocate here, Chris, like, you know, PPA, like they've had these mergers going to happen, not going to happen or whatever. Their events basically all, I know they canceled one in December in Vegas, I think, but their events all basically just keep happening. Like at some point, the excuse of growing pains needs to start ending or you're just not going to get people to invest their energy in your product because it's going to seem gimmicky like it does become more and more a feeling of it's kind of a billionaire's toy not an actual sports league well i I, and i'll say like well you're trying to play devil's advocate to my devil's advocate so i don't know how that works but i will say that like i i think if i you know if i were just again, like a pickleball fan trying to follow things, it would be pretty much impossible to know what what is going on with with anything pretty much. And then I'm hearing that there's venue changes. I, I, I don't know how, I, I like ultimately I agree with you, Jer. Like I agree with you that it's hard to get invested. I just, there is the other side of it that is, you know, they, they have to figure things out that we're probably not privy to most of that information that they have that they need to figure things out. But I think you're right. The reality is that they have to figure things out while still be able to create some continuity. The challenger shuffle draft by offering the ability for teams to swap two players and suddenly change the rules at this point in the year, like that is unnecessary, completely unnecessary to do. Maybe the venue change was necessary, although their messaging probably should be better on that. It's totally, you know, and, but they, they, they've got to, when they're changing things, it's got to be because it's necessary and not because it's like, oh, shoot, pre- Premier Challenger doesn't matter anymore. So let's let's just change the game. Who cares, right? Yeah, I think I just find it interesting because you were pointing out, like, you know, what is going on with the merger is that there seems to be little thought in my mind by Major League Pickleball about protecting basically their brand through all of this like to me i would be worried if i thought that we had the better idea the better brand about protecting the brand yeah yeah well so what well, what do you like protecting the brand in what sense like i think they feel like they're protecting their brand by just being able to like by merging or by doing these things signing players that is their protection of the brand but you mean brand well, in a different sense yeah i mean like it just gets more gimmicky to me when there is no continuity with these teams. We don't know what's now going to happen next year, but like they've changed basically what the format is going to be in terms of whether there's challenger premiere, is there going to be a draft free agency, like the venues, like how I wanted to go to the next MLP. They're changing the venue a month before. Like it's, it makes actually zero sense. Like at some point you should want people at your event and the a common fan, not people that are reading everything should know how it works. Yeah. And, and if you want people to plan to go to your events, people like, like me who have real 
day jobs and you have limited vacation time and you need to plan things out in advance. You need to have coverage at work. You need to be able to tell your boss what you're doing. You know, you can't just be like, oh, like if we wanted to go maybe in December, like California is much easier for us to get to. We don't know if it's California, if it's Vegas, you know, those are easier places to get to. But planning something a week or two weeks before something's going to happen, it's not that's not the reality for a lot of people, people who have families, people who have spouses, people who have, you know, other obligations in life. It, it's it makes things really hard. And I think there's you're you're right. There's not probably enough thought that goes into what all that is. And this year was supposed to set up 2024. It's like we're going to do this weird thing because in 2024, everything's going to be settled. And it's like, wait. We did all these weird things and now nothing is settled. So we now need another year for things to get settled and for people to get like to, to be able to get invested in, in the, in, in MLP again and understand what's going on. Yeah. And how many chances are fans going to give it before they decide I'll just watch PPA or whatever, where I know what's happening and MLP will kind of die is what I wonder. We'll, we'll have to see, are people even giving these chances because it is pro pickleball? So who even cares to begin with? That's the other side. True, maybe, and that's the devil advocate. It's maybe just nobody cares. And if pro pickleball becomes a thing, nobody ever knows about it. So who cares? Well, yeah. And uh, I mean, let's, let's, uh, let's at least talk about the shuffle draft results because they, they feel very meaningless, but I'd still like to at least touch on them a little bit. Uh, did you have any any particular ones you wanted to to note beyond the the mad drops one, or do you want to start there? Obviously, mad drops are the most notable, and like obviously, Allison Harris went out and had a very good run in Premier. So, um, are they better? Are are they better with all their changes? Yes. Yeah, I think they're like. I think they're substantially better, actually. Yeah, I think the question mark is Sierra Gain-Leach. She hasn't been playing much. If she comes out close to the level that we she was playing at last year, they are going to be in a real threat in Challenger because they have the best male in Challenger. They got rid of Jordan Kinney, which was maybe the oddest picker in MLP history. I think the weirdest and most unexplainable pick in MLP history, for sure. Yeah, and then, you know, yeah, so I think it comes down to what level we see from Sierra, but they're definitely much more of a threat with the revamped team. Yeah, and I I think Sierra might have played over her head at the end of that 2022 MLP season. I Now she's coming off of having a baby, that's going to be tough. And I think the you say that's the only question mark. I think Andreas Silstrom, who hasn't been playing tournaments, I think he was in Sweden for a while, and now he's not playing tournaments the last few months, pretty much. Uh, what's his level going to be? And, and he's never healthy. It's like He hasn't been healthy for a good chunk of this year. So I think he's – I really – like he's a, definitely someone who could have been a very good fourth-round flyer like this in the draft, and he's got a bunch of talent, but – What's his level going to be when he's not playing? I guess there's questions about his level. If he's actually healthy, I, I, are he and Gabe your number one men's team? In challenge, possibly, possibly your number one men's team. I think it's. Uh, 
I, I, yeah, I think they're just thinking about it. Yeah. They're probably your number one men's team. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe the hard eights men are <laughs> somehow suddenly one of the best teams out there. But if you put them in a PPA, I think you'd like Gabe and, and Andreas over Klinger and, uh, I, I think you're riding that hard eights uh, win a little hard. They were losing men's matches. I think we saw Andreas doing quite well in those APPs before he disappeared this summer. And Gabe is on another level than any of the other men in that challenger level. Yeah, and, and I mean, them getting Allison Harris, though, is just like you have two people who would, again, probably be, they're both number one picks i think both of them are if you're doing the draft today so that's pretty good spot to be when they they didn't have that after uh, for sure yeah uh florida dropped dominique schaefer uh for marie humberg i think it provides them an upgrade in doubles i don't know if it moves the needle it's a little surprised they kept calling chick around but they they did so well, they spent a second round pick on him, so they might not have wanted to uh, call. Yeah, throw in the flag on that one. They didn't Florida take has to be happy that they, there is no challenger premiere. They after that draft. Well, um, they, they would be done. That was that was uh, if it weren't for the mad drops. I think theirs was theirs was. Close to theirs was close to as bad a draft as the mad drops, but not quite. I think actually, well, you can call Kinney a worse pick, but I actually think Florida's overall draft was probably worse. I think mad drops may have got a little unlucky as well, whereas uh, Florida just was taking flyers starting in the second round, yeah, yeah. Uh, Milwaukee Mashers, they drop Callan, or sorry, drop Pesationi for Callan Dawson, who gets back into MLP, and they drop Chris, drop Krista Getcheva for, uh, wait, who'd they drop her for? Uh, oh, Riley Bonnard. Riley Bonnard. Here's something I didn't actually understand, not with the, ma- sorry to get us off the Mashers for a sec, but again, because none of this really matters, it's okay, but why, if they were going to give teams opportunity to draft two players, did they not snake draft it? It seems to me unfair that you were actually really giving, like, a team that got dead, like, dead last, well, a big edge, actually, over the team that, due to tiebreakers, only got 11th sort of thing. I think they were really trying to help out the teams that didn't draft well. That's why they gave them two pickups. I think that's that's really what they were trying to do. So you do a snake draft, it doesn't help them out as much. <laughs> yeah, I just it didn't make any sense to me, to be honest. But I think the whole shift didn't make any sense. So I, I'm trying to make sense of something that really just was unnecessary. At the same time, we it is the challenger of MLP draft. So, and yeah. with the premier not being on the line anymore, what does it matter, right? There were a number of people when uh, when we tweeted or posted that on on Twitter that were just like, well, why shouldn't the whole pool be available to them? And I think it's just a matter to me of like they it shouldn't be because it wasn't last time around. If it's available each time, then then sure. But why are we why are we switching the rules here in the middle of the game? 
Yeah, and I think that goes back to my point of at some point MLP has to actually start acting like something matters or it becomes hard for fans to invest in and you can only use the excuse so long of growing pains in my mind. Yeah. Uh, did you did you have any thoughts on the mashers uh, dropping Pesa and Krista? I was a little surprised they dropped Krista. Um, went with, I guess, kind of a one more. It's interesting because I think you're kind of almost going in two different directions there. You're going for probably less upside, but a lot more steadiness in Callan Dawson. And then you're probably going, hoping that Bonart's on the rise and upside with that pick. So you're kind of almost going one upside, one steadiness. Like it, I'm not really sure what you're doing there. I think it is not going to be a good dream breaker team. They're really like, not that again, you should be strategizing to get the best dream breaker team, but they did drop Pesa for Callan and then Christopher Riley Bonner. It, it really like definitely a single downgrade. Yeah. And then you have DJ young there as well. It's not, uh, they better be winning three matches or they're going to be in trouble. I think. I but, would agree. Uh, what else? Oh, Hustlers dropped Sarah Ansbury for Kelsey Grambo. I think probably a good move. Like, Ansbury just doesn't look, she kind of looks washed. Yeah, Sarah had that brief rejuvenation this year when that gamma paddle seemed to be popping. And I also thought she was moving a fair amount better, but she did not seem to be moving well at the most recent uh, MLP there in Atlanta and Kelsey Grambo is definitely a high upside play. I would say. Yeah. I don't, I think the talent, like the pool was pretty thin after Harris and you're pretty much sort of going on upside and unproven talent, but Grambo has had some good results on the APP. So uh, makes sense there. Uh, the last move was, uh, I think this is the last move. Yeah. The, the BLQK dropped, uh, they dropped Marshall Brown for Eric. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Paye or Paulette. Uh, I was surprised to see that one, actually. I didn't think, I wasn't sure that they would make a move, but they had a disappointing, disappointing uh, result after sort of rolling through their, their round robin. Uh, but man, uh, I, I, I haven't watched Eric for a few months now, actually, but I don't know. Do you, do you have any thoughts? Well, I think I know where you're going with that in that Eric seems to really like to play the left from what I've seen, and so does Anderson Scarpa. So in men's, you do wonder who's going to play the right, but we do know that you kind of need that mixed upside. So I guess they're probably hoping that it gives them a more solid mixed team. And maybe Anderson could start working on playing the right. I've always thought that if he actually wants to be successful, he would probably project better as a right side guy, despite always playing the left. Yeah, I think, yeah, Eric's a guy who, and especially in mixed, uh, he, he can cover some court. I think, again, there might be some intel that they have on Eric because he's a guy who plays a bunch of those courts of Piccadilly and who is the GM of Richie Twazen's other team, the Bay Area Breakers, Jeff win who is those are his courts at Piccadilly so there might be some kind of intel through through Jeff Wynn with uh Eric who who was kind of on the radar but just not in our 48 in the last draft so 
I don't think it's like a repulsive move. I just, I don't know how much it moves the needle. And I think their team was fairly good as constructed before. Uh, and so. But I, I, why not swing for the upside, I guess, of a title, right? Like you have nothing to lose now. Yeah, I, I think they might, maybe they just weren't a title team with their two guys before, but they were just sort of solid, not spectacular guys. But I think you had, uh, I don't know if that team like was, could not win a title for you is what I'm saying. So fair. I just think now as it's constructed, like teams really have nothing to lose swinging for upside. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Uh, yeah, there's nothing to lose. So people are just making moves left, right and center after the first event. Cause why not? doesn't matter. Uh, YOLO. So <laughs> YOLO. Uh, do you, do you have anything else you wanted to touch on? We're, we're over, we're quite a bit, over the I hour we probably run on long enough so yeah so thanks thanks everyone for listening today uh we check out our blog nmlpickleball.com you can follow us on socials everywhere uh youtube especially make sure you subscribe we're, we're over 300 subscribers starting from zero so we're really appreciative of all the the support we've gotten just early on in the podcast uh and uh please also check out our sponsors dropshotdistrict.com for drop shot district clothing. I always struggle with the words there. Uh, NMLTEN is the discount code there. And then one shot pickleball for all your pickleball paddle gear needs. Uh, you can uh, Ross uh, one zero Ross 10 for uh, a discount and check out there. So thanks everyone for listening and we will see you next time.